Grab your Bibles with me, if you will. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 and 13. A couple of weeks ago, I ended a series that I had a, just a lot of fun with. We called it Bold. We talked about bold prayers and bold living and bold speaking. And God has already been responding to the prayers that you've been praying. And I want to challenge you to continue praying those because you never know when it's going to be your day to get the answer you've been looking for. If you're following along today, if you don't have our app, you need to get our Triumph Church app. It's available on, on um, I think it's on all platforms. Even you Android users should be able to get it. Um, download our app. <laughs> Some of you are like mad at me right now. You're like, He's talking about me again. I'm so sick of that. Um, download our app. Couple of, a lot of things you can do. You can sign up for Life Teams right on the app, but also you can, uh, you can follow along with our sermon notes. And this is a great way to stay connected with what we're doing. If you miss a sermon, you can go back and watch it during the week. And if you want to just go hear it again, uh, you, can, you can do that as well. So uh, get involved with our app. If you're watching online, download the app right now so you can follow along with the our, with our sermon notes for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. This is just an incredible verse. We're going to read uh, two here. And for this series, this will be our primary text that we'll keep coming back to. But I'm going to lay out kind of an overview of the series today. Here's what he says. If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, He will show you a way out so that you can endure. If you have your Bibles in your hand, would you place your hand on it and let's pray for just a moment. Father, I'm asking you today, through the power of your word, to speak to every one of us, to strengthen us and encourage us, to lift us up, and to show us a way out. God, let us learn today. Open our hearts and our minds and our spirits to be challenged by the power of your word. Holy Spirit, do what only you can in the next few minutes. In Jesus' name we pray. And the people said, amen, amen. amen. When I was a kid, we, uh, my family and my mom, we had a very close family, but we took a lot of trips to Vicksburg, Mississippi, where my mom was from. Uh, my entire side of my family is, uh, that side of my family is from the Mississippi area, from Vicksburg to Greenville, and really all over, but primarily those two cities. And so we would go every year for multiple events. We used to have a big family reunion every year. And then we would go at Thanksgiving. We did a lot of things. And we would always ride with my aunt and uncle. And one of the reasons I always wanted to ride with them is because they had one of those big green conversion vans. Do you remember those vans that you could hit the button in the back and the back couch turned into a bed? This was one of the first, you know, I know for, for a lot of kids in here today, my, my my kids were amazed by this, but they didn't know that there were, was a day when vehicles did not have TVs in them or devices in their hand to watch where you actually had to play games driving down the highway, like name the states on the license plates and, you, you know, uh, slug bug, you know, where you would punch people every time you saw a Volkswagen. How many of you played those games? 
Great fun. Always good to hit the driver and unexpectedly. Always worked well. Uh, and so I was talking to my kids about this, but those conversion vans were one of the first. You remember they, had, they put the TV right in the, in the center console in the back seat uh, with the VCR. If you don't know what a VCR is, millennials, ask your parents. <laughs> and we would watch. And so they had the VCR, but the funnest thing was you could lay down and go to sleep. You could play games on that back couch. Do you, do you guys do you remember what I'm talking about? So they had the two captain's chairs and then the, the couch in the back, but it laid down flat. Ooh, it was nice. So we'd play this game. My, um, myself my, and my sister. I'm not even sure that, that Hannah, my youngest sister, was born yet. If she was, she was a baby. But my two cousins, Aaron and Keisha, Aaron's probably watching online right now. He lives in New York, and he, he watches all the time online. Uh, Aaron, if you're there, you'll remember this story. But we would put the couch up, and then we would lay down right behind the bucket seats up against the base of the couch. And then we would have someone punch the little button and push the couch out flat. So effectively, it locked you in and it trapped you and you could not get out. And the whole point of the game was to see who could stay down there the longest without losing their minds. This is what you did. Now it's just safer. Give them the iPad. But we would lock ourselves in there. And and here was the thing. You knew you weren't going to be injured while you were down there. I mean, you're driving down the road. You're, you're laying down flat on the floor, but you were boxed in on all four sides. You couldn't get out. But you knew you weren't going to be hurt. But in your mind, you're battling this feeling of, I am totally trapped. There is no way out. And I have to get out. Suddenly, you feel the need to scratch your toes. But you can't reach your toes. All of a sudden, you feel like you need to bend your knees. You didn't need to bend your knees a few moments ago, but now that you can't bend your knees, you feel like you need to bend your knees. Have you ever been in a tight place? Like, whew, trapped. We would see who could go the longest. I was never really good at this game because I don't like feeling trapped. I don't like small spaces. I'm very intrigued. Have you, have you ever uh, done or seen these escape rooms that people are doing? where they lock you in the room with a group of your friends and you have to answer clues in order to get out. Like, I want to do it, but I'm scared all at the same time because I'm extremely claustrophobic. And so I, I, I want to do it, but I want to do it with the right people. I've got to make sure I choose people to come with me who are not going to freak out because only one person can freak out, and that needs to be me, right? But I'm intrigued by this. Uh, the idea of feeling trapped, it, there's not much worse than feeling trapped in your life when you can't get out. I remember reading a, an Alfred Hitchcock story where, uh, and, and I may, you may have heard me tell this in a sermon, where the lady was trying to break out of prison, and so she got in a coffin with a dead person, and, her, uh, and they wheeled her out and buried her, but her, uh, the guard who was her lover was going to dig her up and pull her out. But when she buried, she got buried, I don't know if you remember this story, she got down there and she turned on her flashlight after all the, she could hear the, the, the dirt start turning and she shined it over and the guy in the coffin was her security guard that was supposed to be breaking her out. Oh God Almighty, they just, whew. Hallelujah, thank you Jesus. The idea of being trapped, 
I, I hate it. I hate feeling trapped in life. I hate feeling trapped in small spaces like there is no way out. And here's what I want you to know today. That the enemy utilizes temptation in your life to convince you that there is no way out. That the only thing you can do is commit the sin or the incident or the thing that you know you shouldn't do. He, he wants to convince you that there's no other way, there's no other option. You might as well go ahead and do it because that's the only way through. He convinces us of this. Like when I was in that van, convinced that the only way out was to scream and lose my mind. Temptation is trying to push you in a specific direction to get its desired results. And for us Christians, this is pushing us towards things that we know are not of God. You see, temptation is anything that promises satisfaction at the cost of obedience to God. It's anything that, that is promising us, if you'll do this, you will be satisfied, but in doing it, you also do not obey God or the Word of God. Every time there is a temptation, though, there is always a way out. So we start obeying our desires and our flesh instead of God, thinking that will provide the satisfaction that is promised. But God always has a way out. The title of my series for the next few weeks is simply that, A Way Out. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what you're feeling trapped by. I don't know what the enemy is tempting you with. But God always has a way out. So we'll take an overview today. Next week we'll talk about resisting the devil. And then after that we'll talk about the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Have you ever been in a situation and you made it out and someone said, how did you get out of that? And you say, I don't know, it was a miracle. Maybe that was the working of miracles or the gift of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. We'll, we'll talk about that more. Four truths about temptation. Are you ready to go today? Number one is simply this. It is not a sin to be tempted. It's not a sin to be tempted. It's a sin to commit the action. It's not a sin to be tempted. Well, why do we say that? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, reading from the New International Version right here. He says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Here's what the writer of Hebrews says. He says, I want to make a clear distinction. Temptation, being tempted, is not sinning. It's not. For if it were, the high priest he's referring to here, and we'll come back to this later, is Jesus Christ. The whole point, Jesus had to come to the earth. He had to live a sinless life. Because the only way, sin requires a death sacrifice or a blood sacrifice. So if Jesus had sinned, then he couldn't have been the sacrifice for us, for he would have also needed a sacrifice. Are you tracking with me? And so, so we know that Jesus did not sin, but we also know that if he had just come to the earth and the angels had protecting him on every side and he had never been tempted in any way, he would never have overcome any temptation, then he would not have released to us the power to overcome temptation. If Jesus didn't face it and overcome it, 
then what hope do we have when we face temptation? But why, why is it so important to know this? Why is it so important to know that uh, to be tempted is not a sin? Well, think about it like this. I love donuts. Does anybody love donuts in here? I may or may not have had two before I came to church this morning. I love donuts. Donuts do not love me. The problem with me and donuts is you can't have just one. It's more like one turns to six. It's a, it's a bad situation. There's a donut shop right on the corner of, b b down from our house, and when we're in a rush, we always stop there. I always talk to the guy and uh, just building a relationship with him. And so every day I walk in, well, not every day I walk in, but when I do walk in, <laughs> not every day, but the one to six times a week when I do, um, he just looks at me, he says, the usual? And I say, yes. Now, we've been going here for years. And the usual used to be a jalapeno kolache and two chocolate-covered donuts and a bottle of water. See, that's balance. I balance the water <laughs> with the donuts, right? So here about six months ago, I noticed something. He walked in and he said, uh, he said the usual, and I said yes, and he started only putting one chocolate-covered donut in my bag. I've never said anything about it. Because I'm figuring he is seeing something that I'm not seeing. <laughs> right? When the donut shop guy cuts you off from the donuts, they're not your friend. <laughs> they go straight, that sugar, those carbs, they go straight to my belly. Can I get an amen from the sanctuary? When I see a donut, that donut speaks to me. Listen, it doesn't have to be good donuts. It can be like the HEB donuts that have been sitting there for three days. I don't even care. They speak to me and they say, you need this donut. You want to eat me. And I'm going, you are exactly right. I want to eat you. And then I can get really close to them and like, ooh, I bet that's good. Is that good? Is it hot? Ooh, I mean, when I see the hot sign on at Krispy Kreme, my truck starts pulling over. If you don't know about Krispy Kreme, I'm going to have to, whew, Hallelujah. You can smell it. You can just, I mean, you just feel it. But you know what? Wanting it doesn't mean I've eaten it and taken in the sugar and the carbs that are not going to help me. It's not until I actually eat it. If I walk up to the donut and I say, because <laughs> it talks to me. I don't know if donuts talk to you. Donuts talk to me. They speak loud and clear. You want to eat me. And I'm saying, yes, I want to eat you. And, and I look at it. Maybe even pick it up. Is that, is that crossing the line, Pastor Ronnie, if I pick it up? No, I might get a little sugar on my finger. I don't know where the line is for you, but somewhere in there, when you have that donut, when I put it back, oh, that feels so good. When you walk away, you go, man, I wanted that donut. But you know that little, like you really feel like proud of yourself for a moment? You're like, man, I just saved myself 280 calories at least. 
I feel good about myself. When you eat it, though, and it goes down, feel good for a moment. Oh, that was so good. What comes right behind that? Guilt. That guilt, here's what the enemy wants to do. That guilt and that shame, he wants to move it up in the process from the sin to the temptation. And he wants to say to you, he wants to make you feel guilty for just being tempted. So that once you're tempted and you're already feeling the guilt, you say, well, if I'm feeling this much guilt and this much shame, I might as well go eat it and eat that and two or three more. This is a trap of the enemy, what he wants to do to you. He wants to suck you in and say, well, you've already thought it. You've already dreamed about it. You might as well go ahead and do it. And we look up and we've sinned and we feel guilt and we've felt, felt shame and we want to stop ourselves, but it's too late. And, and so what he does is, he says, he wants to make you feel the negative repercussions that you would feel after the sin, he wants to make you feel it before you ever do it, so you just buy in. It is a trap of the enemy. But here's what the Bible says. Jesus was tempted in every way that we were. He was walking through the market one day, and the donuts were there. And Jesus said, I rebuke you, Satan. I don't know that he did that. But I do know that he was tempted in every way. And yet, he did not sin. I want to come against the lie that tells you today that because you were tempted, you've already sinned. And that tries to put guilt and shame on you. And I want to tell you that when you can resist the temptation, you will not feel guilt and shame for being tempted but you will feel the power of Christ alive in you for resisting the temptation. But the enemy doesn't want you to know that. He wants to convince you that it is a sin to be tempted, but it is not. Number two, you are never above temptation. You're never above temptation. There's no place in your walk with God that you suddenly say, I'm past temptation. You're never above temptation. Here's, here's what uh, the, uh, Paul wrote to us. If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. There are two types of people in here listening to this sermon and, and watching online this morning. There are those that know you're weak. You know in some area of your life or maybe many areas of your life, you know you are weak. You don't, you're not trying to hide it. You're not playing games with God or yourself. You know you're weak. You're fully aware. You are listening intently. Some of you are listening, listening desperately, hoping that you can get some help today. Others of you just don't care and you have no intention of changing, but you know you're weak in some area. The second group says this. You're the group that think you're standing strong. You think you're standing strong. You're sitting there uh, and, and, you're, and you're thinking right now of all the people that you hope are listening to this sermon because you know they need it so badly. You're too mature for this. You're beyond this. You read the original King James Version. Thus saith the Lord. 
You, you're so spiritual right now, you might even be praying for the person down the road for you, road for you. Lord, let my husband get this in the name of Jesus. But here's what, here's what Paul said. If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. You are at risk. What is he trying to say? He's warning us that no one is above being tempted or falling into the temptation. When you think you are, you had better be on guard because that's when you are the most vulnerable. We don't worry about our area of strength, you see. We, we, we've got those under control. We, we worry about our area of, of weakness. But the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, not on my own strength, but through him. For when I am weak, then I am made strong. Uh, Paul said, the, the trouble is with me, I, I, I am all too human. I am a slave to sin. In Romans chapter 7, he said, I, I want to do what is right, but I can't. And I want to do what is good, but I don't. And I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. This is the Apostle Paul who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, who brought the gospel of Jesus Christ to all the Gentiles. That's pretty much all of me and you. And he, he, at one point, the Bible says in Paul's day, all of Asia had been reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's how much this man accomplished for the kingdom of God. And yet he said, I've got to be really careful. So if that were the case for Paul, why isn't it the case for me? Sadly, many men of God fail to remember, remember this. And you know the names of great men and women of God who thought themselves strong and yet fell to temptation. I want to challenge you to guard yourself against the I would nevers in your life. Oh, I would never do that. Oh, I would never follow through on that. Oh, I would never go there. Oh, I would never, I would never, I would never. Guard yourself against the I would nevers in your life. Paul said, when you think yourself strong, be careful that you don't fall. You see, temptation works like rocks in the harbor. If you imagine a harbor full of, uh, in the ocean or in the sea, and it's full of massive rocks. When the tide is low, the ships can see the rocks and they can avoid them. But when the tide is high, they don't see the rocks. And if they're not careful, they'll run right into them and, and sink their ship. Temptation and, and our strength areas is the same way. What the enemy wants to do is he allows you to think yourself strong. It's like that tide being raised up. And so you're not worried about the rocks underneath because you're on top of the water until you crash into one that caught you unexpected and sinks your ship. That's Satan's strategy. Raise the tide, cover the dangers of temptation, then you crash on the covered rocks. So number one, it is not a sin to be tempted. Number two, you are never above temptation. Number three, and this is important, God will never tempt you. God will test you, but he will not tempt you. If you are being tempted, it is not God in your life. He will test you. He will never tempt you. There is a difference. God's not going to put a temptation to sin right in front of you, but he may test you with an opportunity to be obedient to him, to be faithful to him. Tests are meant to promote you or move you forward in your life, but temptations are meant to move you backwards. They have a negative context to them. The nature of a temptation is to get you to do something wrong, but God is wanting you to get it right. 
But here's the good news. When God tests you, every test is an open book test. He's already given you the answers right here. When the enemy tempts you, he wants to make you feel like there is no solution. But God, when he's test, he's wanting to drive you to his word and say, find the solution right where, find the answers right where I told you it was. James chapter 1, verse 13. And remember when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do, to do, tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. James is clear. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. God isn't tempting you. That's just your own desire. That's just your own flesh. Uh, Turn to your neighbor and say, it's me, not God. Some of you were unconvinced. It's, it, it's our own flesh. It's our own desires. It's the enemy. It's not God. You don't have to resign to, though, well, this is just me, I guess. No. God wants to give you the power to overcome. God doesn't tempt us, but he will use a temptation to build your trust and your strength in him. You see, every temptation is an invitation to depend on Christ. If you're taking notes, write that down. Every temptation that you face in your life is an invitation to depend on Christ. No, God didn't put the temptation there, but he takes that temptation. He says, hey, if you're being tempted right now, I want to invite you to depend on me to get you through it. Every temptation is an invitation to depend on Christ when you're tempted It's an invitation to say, when I am weak, then I am made strong, and I can do all things through Christ. When I depend on Christ, I put my trust in Him, rely on Him, and He loves that, and He shows up and gets involved. God loves to save the day in our lives. When you give in to temptation, it it releases a, a short satisfaction, a dopamine in our brain. But when you resist the temptation, you trust in God, it builds your relationship with Him and your strength to resist. The more you resist, the stronger you get. You feel different feelings. You feel gratitude. You feel awe. You you feel a, a, a thankfulness to God and a praise to God. You feel proud of yourself for trusting in God and overcoming. Number three is God will never tempt you. And finally, number four. Are you okay this morning? This one's really good. There is always a way out. It doesn't matter the temptation that you're facing, that you face on a regular basis. There is always a way out. Temptations come in many different forms. It could be drugs. It could be alcohol. It it could be an addiction of some kind. I hope to talk to you more about addictions later on uh, in this series. But but whatever the sin is, it could be uh, a sexual sin. It could be pornography. It it could be uh, all types of things. It could be other stuff. It doesn't have to be the ugly, gross sins. But you know what? You could be tempted to eat that donut when you know you don't need to. It could be overspending. It could be lying. There are people who lie so much they don't even know the truth when they hear it out of their own mouths. It could be social media. 
I'm not discouraging you to use social media, but social media, if we're not careful, can become just a form of complaining and gossiping. Spying on other people. Look what they did. Look what they're at. Right in your mouth. There's so many ways that we could be tempted other than just those big few. And it's important to know that because if, if we limit it to just a few addictions and that's the only thing we could be tempted with, then we'll not allow God to work in all of the areas of our life, both, both big and small, where he's trying to help you, where he's trying to allow you to function like Jesus functioned and live like Jesus lived and live a, the power of an overcomer in your life. But you say, well, I don't do any of those things, Pastor Rand, and so I'm never tempted to do anything wrong. You know, temptations come in a lot of forms. But there is always a way out. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out. I love what, he, I love what is here. First off, we've got to know that God is faithful. You've got to get this settled in your life. God is faithful. And it, it, that's, that's the end of it. God is faithful. I don't always understand it. I don't always get it. I don't always see Him. But God is always faithful. And I want you to get that settled in your life. Wherever you're at, if you're watching at home, I, I want you to get it settled that God is faithful. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, God is always faithful. We've got to get that settled because the next thing we know is we don't have to make the way out. He provides the way out. I love this because you know what it says to me? God is looking down at the temptations in my life and he's in fully engaged in what's going on and he's monitoring. And he's saying to me, Randon, I'm not going to put on you more than you can bear. So for all the temptations I face in my life, I wonder how many God is holding back and saying, no, no, that's more than you can bear. I want you to get a picture of this. God is engaged in your life. And he wants to help you manage the temptation. He wants to take you down through the candy aisle like a little kid. And sometimes he keeps you moving. And sometimes he allows you to slow down. But he's managing the temptation in your life. He's involved. And he wants to provide you a way out. At any moment, you could say, God, I can't do it anymore. And there will be an exit. He always provides a way out. I love this. You know, so often I talk to you about the blessings and the promises of God held within this scripture. And I say, know them and read them. And when we talk about the blessings and the promises of God... We often think of it in terms of, of wealth or prosperity or healing or helping our marriage or things like this. But you know what? This is one of the great promises of God in your life. That no matter what temptation you face, He will always, He will never give you more than you can bear. And He will always provide for you a way out. Get a hold of that in your lives. But you have to take the way out. God can provide it, but if you don't take it, it won't do you any good. 
And you can look up and say, God, where were you? And he was saying, all I can do is provide a way out for you. I, I happen to, uh, I spent a lot of time in my vehicle driving. And on a fairly regular basis, I come upon where I see there the traffic is, is stopped on the highway in front of me or it's slowing down. And have you ever been where you could see the traffic coming and suddenly you see an exit right in front of you? And you have that decision to make. Do I take the exit and go around or do I stay on the highway and try to work my way through the traffic? Can you relate to that? What do I do? And, you, and, and oftentimes you only have a split second to decide. Do I take the way out? Do I take the exit? Do I escape and get on the feeder road and hopefully go on around? Or do I just try to barrel on through? You know what? That's what God will do in your life. He'll drop that exit in there. And you see the temptation in front of you. You see the problem in front of you. You see the struggle in front of you. And God says, here's your exit. But you have to decide. Take the exit. Get out of the situation. Walk away. Turn the TV off. Close the computer. Number one, it is not a sin to be attempted. Number two, you are never above temptation. Number three, God will never tempt you. And number four, there is always a way out. When I was in that green van with my cousins and my sister and my aunts and uncles, you could lay there in panic. Or you could just say to the person, I need to get out. Would you raise the bed just a little? Even if it's just a crack and I can work my way free. When you have Christ in your heart and in your life, you have the same power that Jesus did to overcome temptation. You can say no and you can walk away. For when we are weak, then Christ's strength is made perfect in us. I'm asking the Holy Spirit to do now what only He can. You can close your Bibles with me if you will. For those in this room watching online, there are some of us today that have massive, dark secrets struggling with temptation and sin in your life and maybe no one knows it you're hiding it from the world hiding it from your spouse hiding it from your kids hiding it from your friends hiding it from your church hiding it from your life team you have massive areas of dark sin in your life dark secrets some of you have family secrets your family knows but no one else knows and you're struggling think with things at home. You put on a great face when you come to church or when you go out in the community, but when you go home, your family has major problems and major secrets and you're struggling with temptation and with, in, with sin in your own home. But you don't let it get beyond the doors. Some of us have sins and temptation that everyone knows. And now that everyone knows, you've given up trying. You just say, well, it's not really worth it. It's, it's, I'm just resigned to this is how it's going to be. This is who I am. And I can't get out of it. It doesn't have to be that way. Others of us have struggles and sins and temptations. They're not big and they're not huge or they're not gross, but it really is sin. It, it's something maybe that's been with you a long time. And that temptation speaks to us day 
after day after day. We try to pray, but we're thinking about the temptation and the guilt and the shame. We try to worship, and the enemy is wearing us out. We try to do the right thing, but we've done the wrong thing so many times. Would it make any difference now? It could be big, it could be small. But are you sick of that temptation dominating you? You want a way out today. The Holy Spirit is in the room right now. And I'm going to ask you to do something bold. I'm going to ask you today, if you're sick of the temptation and you want a way out, you want to overcome, you're tired of that sin, big, small, hidden, secret, it doesn't matter to me, I don't care who you are, none of us are above temptation. You say, Pastor, I'm done and I need a way out. I want to ask you to do something bold. Would you stand right here? of all these people with everyone looking around would you stand up and say God I need you to help me today thank you thank you there's more if you're watching online you say well I don't need to stand no stand right where you are stand right where you are it's okay it doesn't matter who you are the sin can be little the sin can be big it doesn't matter God is giving us all a way out right now would you take it? Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to work right now. Work in every person who's had the courage and faith to stand. They've tried it their way. They've done all they know to do. Holy Spirit, would you step in now? Would you break the back of the enemy? Would you provide them an escape route? Give them that exit even today. Father, I believe that for some in this room, there's going to be an instantaneous disconnect from the temptation and the sin, and they're never going to struggle with that sin again. They're never going to struggle with that temptation again. But Father, others of us in this room, others of us watching online, it's going to start a process, and we're okay, but God... Start the process today. Give us a way out. Give us the ability to overcome. Work with us today. Father, I know that you want to intervene. You have been watching over our lives. Work in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You may be seated. Here's what I want to do. One last thing, and then I'm going to turn it over to our host team. Pastor Renan, I need to repent of sin in my life. I thank God that he wants to help me out, but I, I've had hidden sin. I've had things where I've given in. And in this moment, in the past, you may have been sorry that you did it. But today, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you're not just sorry that you did it, but you realize I'm sinning against God, I'm sinning against my family sinning against myself and I want to stop and I want to repent and I want to make changes they asked Peter in Acts chapter 2 what do we do then to be saved the first thing he said was repent salvation starts with a repentance with saying God forgive me 
I want to make changes. I've made mistakes. So now I want to ask you, if you close your eyes with me for just a moment, if you want to pray a prayer of repentance with me and start today fresh and clean with your relationship about Jesus, here's the good thing about God. Once you ask for, to, for repentance, he releases forgiveness and his blood covers your life and he cannot remember it anymore. So whatever you were is gone forever. If you want to pray that prayer of repentance with me, would you just slip up your hand so we can pray together? Yeah, I see hands going up all over the room. All over the room. If you're watching online, raise your hand. God, I thank you. I'm going to ask everyone to pray this prayer over me. Dear Jesus, I thank you for dying on a cross for me so that I could be forgiven. I do not deserve forgiveness. And yet, you have forgiven me anyway. I repent of my sins. I'm sorry for sinning against you and my family and myself. Wash me clean today. Give me new life, new hope. Be my Lord again. Be my Savior today. In Jesus' name, amen.